0: this is the going in circles podcast hosted by horseman chuck simon to become a sponsor to suggest topics or for questions email going in circles podcast at gmail.com and log on to our facebook page going in circles podcast here's your host chuck simon
1: Welcome to Going in Circles. It's Monday night, which means I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Barry Spears, the Sniper. Barry, how are you?
0: Hey, man. What's up? Not much. Just kind of recovering from a, a, a great racing weekend. A lot of things going on. A lot of things.
1: I thought we'd be recovering from a hurricane, but it was kind of like the worst hurricane ever. So, I guess yeah, the people in the uh, North Carolina are getting it. <laughs> You know the the media here didn't. The media here didn't. Did they? They barely even like got into a hysteria. You know they always get like nuts and they start telling you you're gonna die if you don't do this and you got to get four million gallons of water and make sure you got gas, which I never understood because if the hurricane comes and everything's wrecked, where Where are you gonna gonna go? go? Right. (laughs) But um, yeah, they they barely could could muster up the energy to uh, to even try to scare us and uh as it turned out Gulfstream got a little wet but uh we uh we uh we survived but um there was some uh some interesting racing and uh we'll talk about that in a little bit but today's biggest news was probably Churchill Downs announcement that jockeys are going that are going to ride uh, derby weekend have to be quarantined um I believe August twenty fourth. Yes, that's the, what is, I read. Is the day that the, by by six thirty they have gotta be tested um on that date to qualify to um ride in the Oaks and the, the the Derby and and uh that's going to make uh that's going to make several jockeys and their agents and connections really have to to consider um, what they're going to do because that means the last week and a half of Saratoga is uh, off the table and I guess they're going to have to do some sort of quarantine coming back to New York afterwards. Uh, and there is an X factor here and... You know Kentucky Downs is opening up on the Monday following the Derby, and they've got four big stakes that Monday with over two million dollars in purses, and they have uh, obviously the undercard races. They have a bunch of maidens and allowance races scheduled, so those are ninety and hundred thousand dollar races themselves. So you're talking probably seven, eight, nine races with a minimum purse of ninety thousand dollars. So. When you add that in, into the uh, the Oaks card, which has got a, a plethora of stakes, and, of course, the Derby undercard always has a bunch of stakes, it, it maybe softens the blow a little bit, but um, it's going to make some for some really interesting decisions.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I would think the move would be, if anybody does leave New York, they'll ride at Churchill and then go over to, to Kentucky Downs and then kind of take a little vacation, a.k.a. quarantine and then go back to New York that's, if they decide to do that, I mean they they may you know, I mean I, I could see somebody riding in New York and then going to Kentucky Downs, straight up without doing the stopover at Churchill um, I mean it's it, it's options, but it's not many options, if, if that makes any sense. I mean, they, they could do a lot of things um, as far as either stay put and ride out the 11 days or so. I think it's 10 or 11 days left in the meet without going to Churchill. Um, it's just it's very interesting because, you know, obviously I would think a guy like Manny Franco is
1: going to yeah. go on the 24th and yeah. be in, in he's, kentucky by then he's already been he's announced unlocked. as he's going yeah, of course I was, he's, I was gonna say there's no he's he's got the derby favorite he, he's gonna be there
0: beyond that i don't know who's gonna go <laughs> from from the new york colony I, anybody, I
1: can it, i can guarantee you that tyler Gaffneyon's gonna go and, yeah,
0: that would make sense to me. Uh, Santana
1: too. will will certainly <laughs> probably go as well because they're Kentucky riders, That's where
0: anyways. Right, exactly. That's where their business.
1: You is. know, and the one thing I think people have to understand too is that is that um, <laughs> in a, in a rare change of of, uh, of of course, obviously things are so different, but there's going to be a bunch of Derby, uh, not Derby preps. There's going to be a bunch of Breeders' Cup preps. That weekend at Churchill, a lot of guys are are, are far more um, apt to race in the Breeders' Cup off of layoffs, and that weekend kind of fits well with the Breeders' Cup and uh, horses that are going to need seven, you know, six, seven, eight weeks going in. Uh, I think that there's there's not really. I mean, I know it's Saratoga, but. If you were to decide to ride a Churchill, you're going to miss a big Saturday of racing, the, the Man of War and, uh, and undercard races. I think there's five graded stakes that day. Yep. The, the next day, there's one. The rest of the week, there's some New York bread stakes. There's some listed stakes. But you're not really missing much in the weekdays anymore. The fact of the matter is, Saratoga in the weekdays... It's not like it used to be where you had a graded steak almost every day. There's a lot of steaks, but they're they're phony steaks. They're barely steaks. The they're, they're purse, a lot of them are, are... More like overnight. Yeah, and they're, they're the same as the Kentucky Downs Allowance Race. So it's not like right. you're missing a whole lot there. And then you have the Woodward, which is actually being held the same day as the Derby. So if you had chosen, even if you didn't have the quarantine, if you chose to ride Derby Weekend down there, you would have missed that. And the hopeful is... Is Monday, and um, I think the spinaway is is that weekend too. But the other thing is the two year olds this year. I don't even know who's gonna be um, in those races. I mean, it's not like there's there's uh, any horse you're gonna say, well, man, I don't I don't want to jump off this one because he's gonna be my Derby hopeful for next year. I mean, there's been so few two year old races even run that um, half the field would probably be from Gulfstream.
0: Yeah, if it, yeah, if that's what it's starting to look like. I mean, um, you know, it, it, it's very interesting when I saw that news come out. You know, there's just a lot of decisions to be made. You know, I was thinking about um, Jose and I read Ortiz, and you know, I don't know. I mean, you would think they would go, but then you could also make a case for them not going.
1: I I, I, mean, I would almost think that maybe they'll split it them. up. Yeah, one of yeah, them will go one and. Would go. And, and maybe ride, you know, the other ones mounts, and it's still a little too early to try to figure out who's going to be running in all the state different stakes. So, um, I mean, sure, you know the the, the big ones, but uh, but you know, honestly, I, I would kind of it, it, it's interesting, and and you know, there was a little bit of hand wringing on Twitter or uh, or uh, on on Facebook as well. About it, but you know what? I don't really have a great deal of sympathy for jocks that are making ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a week as it is. Like, it's choosing to go and ride in twelve stakes over the weekend at one track, or miss you know twelve stakes at, at another track. So either way, it's it's a uh, it's not like you're gonna make a lot of bad decisions. And the truth is that it'd be nice to see some of the guys, um, the second stringers get chances at riding good horses because there's a lot of guys, especially in New York that are really good riders. And because so few trainers control so many good horses and, and obviously they have their jocks, it, it trickles down to to where the guy who's the sixth or seventh best jock in, in New York doesn't get a lot of favorites. He doesn't, right. Yeah. And a lot of those guys are good riders and it'd be, be interesting to see them, you know, get chances in, in these type of races. And, uh, it's um, yeah. It's, I mean,
0: a, a guy that that falls into that category uh, would be Eric Cancel. He may be the beneficiary of, of, of this whole thing um, by just staying in New York.
1: Sure. I mean, look um, at uh, the, think know, about a guy like uh, Jose Lescano. Um, right. I mean,
0: kind of. Yeah. He, he's he's kind of on the fringe. You know, he, he's really right on the bubbles
1: of, of, of being a first or a second tier rider. Um, but I mean, he, he his gets, ride on He got uh, squeezed out once the Ortiz brothers
0: kind of uh, came into prominence. So he, he, he was more or less the odd man out, uh, but he, he's as good a
1: rider as anybody. I mean, his ride on uh, that vexatious horse vexatious. was, was, oh. was tremendous. I mean, in the end, it, it looked like he just outrode Santana. I mean, he just, he really rode a perfect race. It was, it was really good. And, and you know, he took advantage of the Ortiz brothers' uh, intimidation tactic. And, of course, you know, people, there's always the, oh, my God, they should have taken him down. But the fact of the matter is this is the way they ride in New York, and they let it go an awful lot. And the and and the 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 incident wasn't really that great of an incident, which kind of gets no, me into it, a it – was, it was overblown, I, I think. You know, at least
0: watching it on TV, it made it a little more dramatic. I, I thought it wasn't that bad, and they, they did the right thing by not messing with it. Um, but I, you know, at first glance when I was watching that race, I, I just thought <laughs> Midnight Piece just hung. I mean, had every opportunity, like almost the whole length of the stretch to go by and just didn't. You know? And she she didn't run you know it visually her race at churchill was phenomenal just to look at but it wasn't as fast as
1: people it wasn't it was slow it write. was it was slow yeah. and people got mad when when i pointed <laughs> that out and they wanted to say well well, well so listen she, he ran almost two seconds slower than her next race with at the same distance, <laughs> you know. It's... Right,
0: and it, it's one of those situations where looks can be deceiving,
1: right? And numbers
0: don't lie because you know you look at her race at, at Churchill visually, and it was it was phenomenal, right? But it wasn't as fast as is what you would expect from a horse like that. And then she it backed it up. The numbers backed it up because she she ran, you know, definitely didn't give her best shot.
1: Uh, speed wise, and it showed out, and she got beat. I mean, you know, and then, but it. but then when you look at the buyer number, the buyer number came back significantly higher than what she had higher. run before, and yeah, and it makes you wonder years. about a horse like yeah. Vexatious, who suddenly has become, um, uh, a force in this division, out of, seemingly out of nowhere. I mean, it wasn't that long ago; so it was 90 days ago. She was running fifth albeit with a little bit of trouble but she ran fifth in an allowance race at Oaklawn Park at, at like 7 to 1 7 to 1 and yeah. if you had told me then that she would beat Midnight Bisu in the um the FIPS the grade 1 race in Saratoga I, I would have said you know I would have laughed uh, so what did I would the did the like, gate malfunction you. and then you know the horse didn't <laughs> break out or you know did, <laughs> did somebody run on the track and gra- jump on the back of Midnight Bisou? I wouldn't have believed it but but it makes you wonder, and 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 you know sometimes people get to be. Um, there's a lot of people that that jump on these horses bandwagons, and one of the things <laughs> that it, it's it's kind of interesting when you when you take a step a step back and you look like how many horse of the of the lifetime, just fillies the last ten years. Every year it seems like there's a different new you know horse right, of a and lifetime of i mean and, i mean midnight Biso so still hasn't proven that she's better than monomoy's girl no no <laughs> you know? I, and I, I, i'm with you
0: there I, I i know you know one of the things from the handicapping side of things is you know a lot of people get, fall into the trap of you know what have you done for me lately instead of what have you done overall and and they get to the you know the new flavor and they jump on that bandwagon. Horse gets bet down to three to five and loses. Um, without digging a little bit deeper, and and I think that happens a lot. And you see people just jumping on bandwagons. You know, horse's last race was phenomenal. They're going to do it again, and then it gets overhyped, overblown, and then you you have these sort of situations where horse like vexatious who was improving. Um, you know, I didn't think she was going to improve enough to beat Midnight Bisu based on her overall performance, but it was definitely possible and, and, uh, she just jumped up and beat her and, and it was, it was a great race to watch and, you know, um, it'd be interesting to see what happens come, uh, Breeders' Cup time and, and where, where these horses are at then.
1: That's, that's, that's so true and, and I think sometimes, you know, you, you can watch a race and, and. The favorite will get in trouble. Like if you, I mean, you, you. Perfect example of that is probably um, the shared belief on Saturday, where Mike Smith um, sort of seemed like he didn't have a real plan, and um, you know, kind of got that horse hung out to dry, and then moved up, and then moved back, and 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 you know, you could certainly make a case that the short field, and then. Baffert's other horse kind of rode shotgun for the horse on the lead. And, um, I mean, it, it was a little bit of jostling so that he certainly had, had, a um, an imperfect trip, but midnight Bisu really didn't have a bad trip at all. She, she had a very good trip and vexatious, you know, Jose rode, rode good. And I mean, just beat her on the square, just, just beat you her. Know. Right. It, and it was uh,
0: nothing fancy. She just, just flat out beat her that day. Uh, I mean, it was her day. Um, hopefully she improves and, and, and keeps that level up. You know, I'm a little skeptical, but um, <clears throat> at least she's proven that, that Midnight Beast was no, you know, iron horse or, or unbeatable or just in spectacular form where, you know, you just you just can't get by her. But she she's proved herself to be a little bit vulnerable and and with what Montamori girl did, um Makes her really, you know, kind of down a little bit on on the on the big scheme of things um, in comparison. But as far as Honor AP, it definitely got slammed by uh, Cezanne out of the gate, which kind of changed things. And and like you said, it, it seemed like Mike didn't really have a plan and, and was kind of winging it. And kind of, you know, it, it, like the whole ride
1: to me gave the the air of indecision yeah that that's Ask exactly that's exactly what i thought he it, it was like oh shit they're going slow and then he made that three wide move on the first turn and i mean he, he'd he have been better off just waiting until he straightened up down the backside right. because you know cesano you know pratt saw him, him making that move and he was like well no he's not gonna he's well, not gonna, gonna stick him. me so right. so he moved up and then it, he just had that that impossible three wide trip and and, and I mean the, the the winner is a good horse. I mean he kind of like had had fallen off the, the tracks, had the uh, fall off or the rails fell off him there in Oakland, where he just didn't run good at all. But uh, I mean he, he's a quality horse. I mean, he was actually the favorite, I think, in in the um the uh, Arkansas. He just 30. got overshadowed
0: by mates Yeah, think. I, yeah. You know, horses that everybody thought were way better that really weren't or are not.
1: Well, you know, um, there, there's something a trend that uh, of course that I bitch about all the time. Honoré P is a horse who who debuted a year ago. That was his fifth start. He's only made five starts in a year. And I don't know if he has soundness problems. I know he's a really big horse. But, I mean, it just seems like these horses that are as lightly raced as he, uh, he is, they're just still green. And they shouldn't be at this point in their career. Horses that debut in August of their two-year-old year shouldn't still race a little green, race a little lazy. They shouldn't still be like that a year later. And and part of that is, is because they just simply don't run enough and they don't get experience. And you can get fitness in a horse, but you can't you can't change, the the dynamics. Um, or excuse not change, but you can't. Um, replicate the the dynamics of a race in the morning and so many of these horses are so um infrequently raced and and I understand a lot of them are expensive you know quote-unquote valuable horses but I think that that they do a disservice to them when they don't race them and listen if the horse has got soundness problems and and I don't know that he does or he doesn't and he might but and that's understandable i mean it, it, if you're going to um give a horse two months off every time they run they probably do have some soundness issues and, and that's sure. that, that is what it is but without those with those being absent not racing horses just doesn't benefit them at all and i remember <laughs> this was years ago and, and this was this was in the 90s so this wasn't like it was you know last year but um I remember we were sitting around at the barn and a guy had just won a derby prep in January one of the early ones and the horse had run really good really really good and the trainer uh came out and said wow he ran huge we got to give him plenty of time off now and I remember Alan Jerkins said everything's backwards in racing these days he goes in the old days when a horse is in good form, we tried yeah. to race them as much as we could right. before they went off of form. He goes, one of the things people don't understand is you can't dictate to the horse how they're going to develop. You can't dictate to the horse how they're going to grow. And yes, you you can ruin horses by by racing them or overtraining them when when they're they're, you know, they have physical issues. But you can't slow down the development of it and it was almost as though the trainer was saying he wanted the horse that was running figures that were too fast already so he needed to try to slow the horse's development down he said you can't stop time (laughs) and i think sometimes nowadays and 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 listen the good trainers the big trainers are really good at, at getting horses to peak they're very, very good. They're better than trainers used to be. Trainers didn't used to train like that. They used to race horses into shape. I remember Carl Nasker what brought brought back Unbridled, um, in sprint races. Uh, Gary Jones, Turkoman, used to come, in. Turkman was a dead mile and a quarter closer. You know, he he could go as far as they wrote the races, and he was a stout horse, and he had a big leg kick. And every year they brought him back in a sprint, a seven furlong race, and I remember that there was a race, and I, and I think it was a Hialeah, and I, I think it was Unbridled. I, I can't, I can't remember for sure. But um, they brought him back in the race, and they told the stewards that they were going to work an extra eighth after the after the the wire in a race. Unbelievable! <laughs> you know, in a race, I'm and sure. and uh, I've heard of these. And I think he, I think, un, oh God, my memory sucks now. It sucks to be old, but he beat someone really good that year. Um, unbridled when he he made that comeback. I think it was like the Tallahassee was the, the race. It's, it's a stake at Highly. It was Seven Ace, and I think he beat uh, um, House Buster, maybe, or No um, oh Boy, he's a monster, or, or Cherokee. <laughs> maybe Cherokee Run, somebody like that. And um, he came, you know, from the clouds in a sprint because he was he wasn't, uh, you know, he didn't have a whole lot of early speed, and and he won anyways. And it was good to set up. I think Easy Goer, his three year old year, I think uh, I recall Shug brought him back in, um, in the swell. Um, yeah, I remember that. Actually, he, he brought him back in a sprint, and then uh, then went and went. And, I think he went into the Gotham and. The wood and then the breeders or the derby, but um you know the guys don't do that anymore, nobody does that anymore, and like I said, the trainers are really good at getting horses to come in into a peak, but I don't know if it's good for the horses, in that you have to kind of let them down afterwards and and that's what you see now all the time um
0: well it, you know what it reminds me of is, is like in baseball where they have a, a pitcher on a pitch count. Right. And they, they force them to only go so, so far in, into games or, or throw so many pitches. There's only so many bullets in the gun. And like you were saying, you know, things that I've seen over the years myself is like back in, back in the older days when they would strike while the iron was hot. They, they'd turn them around quick if they needed to. Um, you, you'll hardly ever see that nowadays. You know, horses come back on a on a week's rest or anything like that um, when they're doing well. Um, it, it's very rare.
1: And, and um, listen, I understand that horses aren't as sturdy as they used to be. I mean, true. It's it's since I started training, which was only twenty years ago, horses are, aren't as aren't as hardy as they were even then, and. And I, actually, I, I'm going to have Stuart Morris on, I think, next week. Um, Stuart's a big consigner, big breeder. And he's been around forever, him and his dad. And, and um, you know, we were talking about it the other day when he called me, wanting to come on. He, he, he wants to talk about some of these issues. And, you know, his contention is that he, he said, you know, um, I'm tired of people blaming the breeding it's not the breeding; it's the raising of the horses that's the issue, and that's something that, that I've I've maintained uh, for a long time too. Is that so many of our horses have become so valuable as bloodstock, even as babies, they're not right. let out. I really bred to race. Yes, you know, but heard. but they're not let out to to run the paddocks with everybody else. They're they're protected, and they're not um, you know they're assets that they're looking to sell for big tickets. And you can't get that development back, those those years of um, of growth. And uh, it, it's like what his name did the other uh, couple of years. What was that? Uh, Instill regard. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Yep. And when he was still a dirt horse, and he was a two year old, and he came out, and he won those two. He, he broke his mate and He won by ten. He came back. He won the stake by ten. And then the owner made the trainer turn him out. Because he was so worried that he was going to, you know, develop too fast. And he wanted to be a derby horse and this and that. And people were like, wow, that's a great idea. And I was like, no, that's a terrible idea. Well, what do you mean, Chuck? What do you mean? What I mean is the horse is good. He's doing good. You win the races when you can win them. Because you can't take a horse's development. You can't take their development and stop it. You can't put them in the freezer and just stall them out when you wanted to. And, and I said, if the horse has no soundness issues, going to a field isn't going to do anything for the horse except let him run around and get fat, eating grass. It's not going to help. When they come back, they're not going to be more sound. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you're either sound or you're not. And
0: right, exactly. And, and that's, that's what's so strange about how how this industry has turned into, um, you know, like you said, you, you see a horse like AP have five races.
1: Five. I mean, and, and it, that's, that's, that's even with the Derby being pushed back, <laughs> being pushed back four months, uh, four months. So it's like,
0: you know, it's definitely one of those things. It's like, well, what are, what are we doing here? What are we looking at?
1: And, you know, what's funny about John Sheriffs and John Sheriffs is a really good trainer. He's, he's, I'm not criticizing him at all. I'm just asking the question, why is this horse so lightly raced, you know? But when he trained for 505 Farms back in the day, they were the deadliest first time out with two-year-old outfit that there was. They were like, uh, I mean, their, their their strike rate with two-year-old first-time starters was unbelievable. And it's not that he can't get them cranked up. He, he certainly can. But uh, he's taking his time with this horse, which is which is fine. But if you're getting him ready to run in the Derby, and if a trip like he got the other day is too much to overcome in a four horse race, and and listen, going into this Derby, I have no idea who's going to run it. I mean, you got people like that kid Nota in New York, who's I don't know at all. Um, but you know, he's talking about running some horse who just broke his maiden into Travers and then going to the Derby, so. I'm guessing that there's going to be plenty of, of, you know, people taking shots, I, I, I suppose, but, um, it's pretty hard to figure out like who's going to be in the Derby this year can, when all the prep races have four and five horses in them. But, um, you know, like if you can't overcome that trip, well, how is he going to overcome a little adversity going a mile and a quarter? That's my question. And, and, uh, I think he's a really good horse. I think he's a really talented horse, but I, he he just screamed out to me the other day, "Hey, I really don't know what the hell I'm doing here." And um, and I, like I said, "I don't I don't think Mike helped because he was kind of you know went up and then back and then went up and back and and then I mean the horse still had a little bit of kick at the end, which might have been everybody else slowing down more than him speeding up, but um, but uh, it's it's yeah. These uh,
0: kind of conversations always. Get me upset when I think about a horse like <laughs> Omaha Beach. I know, I know he had some problems, but it's just I, I, I kind of wish he, his kind of his career kind of came to fruition. You know, he, he, you know, just when he started getting good is when he disappeared. You know, yeah. <clears throat> um, and and there's a lot of stories like that. You know, and, and it's it's a little unfortunate as a race fan, but. You know obviously you want to do right by the horse um but i'd like to hear that conversation um if you do have it uh to see you know what's said about the raising of the horse and things like that um just for my own personal you know knowledge of, of of how that whole thing works i'm not great at that part of the game uh by any means so It'd be interesting to see to have him on and, and uh and talk about that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, Stewart's uh, Stuart's great. You know, he, he's Stuart likes to do three things. He he <laughs> well, he likes to do two things a lot. He likes to eat and he likes to talk. But um he loves the business and he loves the game, he, he loves racing, he loves breeding, he loves the sales and he's a lifer, you know, he's been in his whole life and he's gonna he's gonna be in it his whole life and he's got a lot of opinions. And some of them I agree with, some of them I kind of agree with, some of them I'm a little skeptical about. But the fact of the matter is that he's willing to talk about them and he's willing to say things. And we're not going to start, you know, calling out people by name. It's not that's unfair too. But but there's people in in, in, in his his side of the business that don't do things uh, properly either. And a lot of the things are, um, you know, the. In the end, it all comes out in the racing, and, and when the horses are asked to run their hardest, because they're, they're they're seriously going as hard as they can. And the difference between the good ones and the bad ones are the good ones have more ability, but they're also willing to give everything they have. The bad ones might even have some ability, but as soon as there's any adversity, or as soon as they they start to feel, you know, a little uncomfortable, or something happens. They they, they give up. Yeah. They say, you know, well, I've had enough. And and um, no, it, it'll be a, it'll be a good uh, a good show because uh, Stuart's a, a straight up guy, and uh, I'm looking forward to having him on. And uh, we're going to cover a lot of topics. I said we might have to go to a two parter. But, um okay. but we'll see uh I think he I know he's doing a lot of traveling this week uh so I think next next week next Tuesday maybe have him on um the Tuesday show and uh we'll uh, I think maybe have some call-ins as well so <coughs> oh, that'd be good that'd be great so this this Tuesday tomorrow um tomorrow's jockey agent Tuesday okay. I, I got a oh, former I guess jockey a agent name for it. Yeah, it's it's uh, this week we, we're we're talking to the jockey agents, the, the men behind the the the, the, the men, and um, I got Ralph Thoreau, who's a former jockey agent who has also done a, a lot of other things in the business. He's going to come on. He's actually uh, retired. He was uh he was John agent when um, during the the heyday with the Chief, with uh, Dixie Flag and Kelly Kipp and all those horses. And uh, at 3 o'clock, I have uh, Jason Vitus, who's Jose Lescano's agent. Jason's going to come come on, and uh, uh, Jason Hello. was actually my first employee. I was
0: going to say, didn't he, didn't he work for you? <laughs>
1: he, he was my first employee. Jason left New York um, with me. We, we drove to Kentucky when, when I first, literally first started. Uh, he was there day one with me, and uh, he's... Uh, He's turned into a really good jock agent. Him and Jose Lizcano have had a it's, lot of it's, lot it's of success. A good,
0: a good discussion to have with him about what's going on here uh, on the 24th. I thought
1: you that know? yeah, that, that was kind of my thinking, and uh, I wanted to have Ralph on for a while because he Ralph's got a million stories, and um, I wrote a little piece for um, down the stretch, the website and uh on the chief this weekend in honor of his his uh, the race being named after him um and uh i thought ralph would be a natural guest uh especially with all this talk about you know what the jocks are going to do with the the quarantine and, and uh have jason on and i'm i'm sure mr Lescano will be staying in uh new york trying to uh pick she up as many many yeah. live mounts as possible but uh we'll have those guys on tomorrow that's uh, two to four, and uh, since this show tapes late from a lot of people, that might be today already or yesterday. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> the one great thing about podcasts are we have archives. So that's
0: right, episodes,
1: baby. Yes, you can you can listen uh, at any time. Uh, Wednesday we have a a, a show. it's um, we had a. Uh, I actually have already taped this and we're going to, we're going to put it out on Wednesday with Rick Shostberg, a uh, new York trainer. I said to him today that you're a long time New York trainer. He laughed. He goes like that. I am, you know, I, said, I don't want to make you feel old or anything, but you've been training since 1988 and that's a long time ago. <laughs> but, um, Rick's on and, and Rick's great. He he does so much for the horsemen and and the horses of, of New York. He, he's on the, the board of NYTHA and, um, He's the head of the horse um, the the placement program where where the retired horses go, and they've got another program where the horses go directly into a, uh, the the hunter jumper world, and um, they've done a great job. He said they were at about six hundred and fifty horses had been had been placed. Wow. So that's a uh, you know Rick Spitz Rick's a great guy. He does a lot of stuff. He he was out there leading the charge during this COVID issue, um, trying to. You know, working with Naira and working with the state and getting the guys the the masks and and the protocols and keeping track oh, of everyone. So he's so. the one. He's the guy that, that listened to us so about the bubble. <laughs> nah, I don't think it had anything to do with the jockeys. But um, yeah, he he, uh, he he's going to be on Wednesday, and uh, we talked about some of the the really really good horses he trained. He had a, a run where he had oh, some really good horses. Uh, he had Maria's Mon who was the two-year-old champion and, and actually was the stat? Uh, he, his first year at stud, uh, had a derby winner. He's the, the, uh, the sire of Monarchos. That's correct. And he had uh, a horse named as indicated, who was his first real good horse. And he won a bunch of new stakes in New York. Uh, and, um, he had a filly named Mossflower, who was the a Flower, top, yeah, top horse. That, and, that one really sticks out in my mind. And, um, uh, and then a firm success who was, uh, a standout in Legends. New York for years, Legends. five years running. I think he won the greatest stakes. So I, I I didn't bring it up with him, but <laughs> uh, there was a crazy race, man. Firm success was in a race. I was working for chief and, uh, we had a horse named Kelly Kip and Kelly Kip was the, 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 fast. the fastest pure sprinter I, about I, I ever saw. He, he was just a, 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 a sprinter sprinter he couldn't go more than six and a half once. i mean he just literally couldn't he, he actually stops. he actually held the track record at saratoga uh for six and a half he he, he set track records at the belmont on the main track he going five eighths of a mile i think that race uh, that, that 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 still might stand went 55 and two i think it does his first race i could be wrong he broke Lore's track record. Lure had, had set the track record of going fifty-six and one for five A's. And Kelly Kip went fifty-five and two. In in a maiden claimer, no less. Um he had the track record at the Aqueduct main track. Uh he he actually broke his own track record. He went one hundred seven and three, and then the next year went one hundred seven and two. Uh he had the track record at Saratoga for six and a half furlongs. Um, I don't think it lasted that long I think some horse of Bafford some Philly broke it uh, a couple <laughs> of years later and he held the track record I'm sure will never get broken he went 108 flat at the Finger Lakes which he broke the track uh, record by yeah. about a full second and it was, I was funny
0: say, that, uh, that had to be amazing to see
1: <laughs> that was a crazy it was just about it was, it was a little earlier than this in, in the year in the summer And we were still at Belmont. We hadn't gone to Saratoga yet. And they had a race the Finger Lakes, the Budweiser Breeders Cup uh, Sprint, the Finger Lakes Budweiser Breeders Cup Sprint. I think it was a hundred or one hundred twenty-five thousand something, something in that range. So obviously, the chief wanted to run in it, so he enters in the race. And uh, Belmont had a horse. I think I think Western Fame was the horse, um, Mott's horse, and a firm success, so we were the three horses that were coming from Belmont, and, uh, Stormy Atlantic was in the race, um, it it was, it was a good race, so, (laughs) so, there was a guy named Jimmy Plummer, and he had a, he was an independent truck driver, he had a big truck, you know, horse van, and, and, and Jerkins used to use him a lot, that, that was his guy, and, uh, Mott used him quite a bit, so, so, it made sense for us to all ship up on the same van. So, um, Mott's horse, Rick Shostberg's, and, and Kelly Kipp were all going up on the same horse. Now, uh, we were leaving Belmont. Um, the plan was to to be there at 2 a.m. and and get the horses start loading at 2.30. Um, our barn was right across from Mott's barn. We were close, and then Schausberg's barn was down the other end of the backstretch, so... We would go pick him up first, and then put our two horses on, and uh, and off we'd go. Well, Simon Bray, who uh, of TVG fame, was he was Bill Mott's assistant at the time. And we went over, and we picked up Firm Success, and they were all ready to go. We came back, and we were ready to go. And Simon's not there. <laughs> 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 so... I walk over, and it's dark in their barn, and I find the Night Watchman, and I'm like, what about the horse, you know? And he's like, I don't know, the boss is not here yet. I was like, yeah, I know, he's supposed to be here, and he's late, and, and like, let's call him. So, none of us had cell phones back then, so we, we had to call his home phone. Well, his home <laughs> phone went right to the voice, the, the you know, the the Answering, answering machine. machine. Yeah, right to the answering machine. So we call like three times, right to the answering machine. So I'm like, shit, what are we gonna do? So I run out and I, I say to the um to Jimmy Plummer, uh, Jimmy, you know, we're, we're still looking for Simon. I, I, you know, I don't know what to do. So he starts freaking out. Now remember, it's like two thirty in the morning. <laughs> so Jimmy's freaking out. What are we gonna do? We gotta go. You know, blah, blah, blah. where is the score? So I'm gonna leave without him. And I'm like, oh shit. So I go back over and I tell the night watchman. Listen, man. I don't want to do this, but you got to call you got to call Bill Mott. No, no, no. I'm not calling Bill Mott at 2:30 in the morning, he said. <laughs> I'm like, shit, I don't want to call Bill Mott at 2:30 in the morning either, you know? So <laughs> we're kind of arguing over who's going to call Bill Mott at 2:30 in the morning. And just then uh, you hear a car like come screeching around the corner <laughs> and it lights and here comes simon <laughs> and he looks completely disheveled you know and he's like oh my god i'm sorry guys you know like oh, we'll be right out we'll you know we'll get him right out bye, bye, bye. So, so here he comes and we put the horse on the van. So jimmy plumber was so mad at him he says to him you're not staying in the front because you know he had one of those big uh big cabs so one guy would sit in in the chair and the other guy would go in the back and and, you know he had the little sleeper and and we take turns you know and he's like you're like f you simon you're going in the back he goes chuck you can be up front that's it you gotta go in the back so so he went in the back of the van on the seven hour trip to the finger lakes so we get there right and it's about seven hours there. We left about three o'clock, and, and we get there, and uh, um, John Progno, who is a longtime Finger Lakes trainer, he had requested that we ship into his barn, and he had a nice barn for the Finger Lakes. It, it was actually a, a, pr- a pretty good outfit. So we ship in there, and, and we get off the van, and he comes over. He's, is Alan coming? And I'm like, <laughs> no. <Nope. laughs> like, Alan doesn't even go to the Meadowlands van <laughs> (laughs) you know no he's not coming here he's like the track is all speed they scraped the rail yesterday and I think they're gonna do it today so I'm like really I'm like I'm thinking to myself that's good for Uh, us right (laughs) so he's like I'm telling you everything went on the lead yesterday so I'm like thank you you know so um we get the horse settled and and I go to try to find, <laughs> find Simon. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, let's go up and get something to eat at the races. And they got him in this barn. And it's like a dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> so he's in like the worst barn at the Finger Lakes. And he, and he looks, you know, like, he looks like hell. Because so, he just jumped out of bed, then ran into, you know, drove like a maniac to Belmont. Then got thrown in the back of a horse van for seven hours. So you can imagine, the, you know, how he felt. So I said, "Man, what was the problem? Like, what happened?" He goes, "I, I the night watchman was supposed to call me at one 30. He goes, "But my wife had turned the answering machine off, so it was just it wasn't clicking." And I was like, oh. "I was like, man," I said, "like we were like one step away from calling Mod." He goes, "Thank God you didn't oh call Mod. I'd I'd have probably got <laughs> fired. <laughs> this would probably been my last day." So. We go up to the races. The first race, so I grab the form and look at the races, right, and it's like four claimers, and, and it's, a, it's a two-turn race. The first race, some 50-to-1 shot, some horse who was just pathetically bad, goes to the lead, gets beat wire at the wire. shot of the wire, almost wins right and i'm thinking man this guy might he, he progno he, he might know what he's talking about here <laughs> that horse that, that horse is horrible <laughs> and he almost you know he he hit the board he almost won on the lead so it, speed was pretty good um so we get the we bring the horse over for the races and um um john Luke had flown in for the race so he comes out to the paddock and you know, John Luke was a happy, kind of go lucky guy. You know, he, he was always kind of in a good mood, and he was like, "Well, what do you think?" I said, "Have you watched watching the races?" He goes, "Well, I watched a couple, but you know, these horses are so bad. I don't." You know. I was like, "John Luke, break, go to the lead. I don't care how fast you got to go, go to the lead and get to the rail because the firm success is drawn inside of us." And he was the other speed in the race, and uh, George Chavez was riding them, so you know there wasn't going to be much taken back. So I was like, John Luke, just go to the lead at all costs. Get to the rail. The rail is golden. Does Alan? I said, don't worry about Alan. Just do it. (laughs) Okay, okay, boss. You're the boss. If if this doesn't work, I'm blaming you. I said, I don't care. So they go in the gate, and he breaks good. He broke real good. And Chavez is is he breaks and he's he's after you know he's chopping already. a sixteenth of a mile out of the gate because they're both wanting to get to the lead. So Kelly Kip clears him, but when he clears him, he, he you know uh, Georgie kind of gave him a little bit of a shuffle, you know, like he kind of stood up a little bit and you know. So he went like like some ridiculous fraction. I think he went twenty one and one or twenty one and two to the quarter. Now you watch the Finger Lakes going twenty one and one to the quarter doesn't ever happen. So. Like we're in kind of uncharted waters, how fast they're really going, and uh, he turned for home. I think he went forty-four to the half, and 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 a firm success, kind of ranged up like he was gonna make a run at him, and and Kelly Kip just he he shifted gears, and on that track he was not gonna get beat, and he won by a couple lengths, and um, it was funny because that week George Chavez had come to me. And said, how come the chief won't put me on horses? You know, get him to ride me on some horses. You know, come on, Chuck. You know I'll try. You know I'll do good for you. You know. So um, so the race is over. They come back, inquiry. And, oh. and, and uh, Chavez claims foul. So he walks by to go to the telephone to talk to the stewards. And I said, I'm not helping you if you if you get taken down. <laughs> <laughs> so... It, it was about a thirty-second inquiry, and they left the horse up. And of course, he broke the track record. I said, I think by a full second. And uh, I wonder if that race is on YouTube. I've uh, looked for it, and I cannot find it. Damn! I cannot find it. I can't even find Battle One's win from uh, two thousand five, from the Churchill Downs handicap. They have 2004, they have 2006. They don't have their whatever year he wanted. I can't remember, but they don't even have that one on YouTube. It's weird how, how some races are on there and some races aren't, but uh, but that was something. So, oh, so the best is here. All right, we're in the winter circle. Next thing I know, I hear all this yelling and screaming. And I look up, and a firm success's groom is laying on the ground. And the firm success is running the other way, and the water trucks are coming. And I'm thinking to myself, holy shit, shit firm success is going to get run over by a water truck. Like, what, What? you know, <laughs> what, what more could happen here? This is like the craziest day, right? So he ducked the water trucks, so he was a smart horse, and they wound up catching him. And the groom had had a seizure. And uh oh um, yeah, so it, it was like ugh, a huge mess. He had to go to the hospital and they wanted to I guess flying somebody up there to get him or something. It, it was like it was like the craziest, craziest day. But I tell you one thing, that that was when uh my dad had come out and your 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 cousin uh Dave, Dave Spears was there. That's my boy. Yeah. And uh it, it was uh they had made the trip from Saratoga. And uh it, it was great. You know, it was the, the best thing was, was uh was calling the chief and he knew we won already because they had watched it i guess he we had ho- had a horse in the belmont that day and he watched it in the paddock but you know calling him and telling him you know we, we not only we won we set the track record uh man that was that was some day. it was it was really crazy it's a hell of a story man <laughs> all it, the way around it, it was a long day and, and and Jimmy Plummer he he gave Simon a reprieve because the horse didn't run any good and he he let him sit up front with us going on the way back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well that that
0: would make sense of why Simon doesn't really tell that story.
1: Nah, he he probably he probably <laughs> blocked that out of his head. You know he 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 was a pretty successful trainer. He did pretty well. It it was a kind of a brief career, but um, he did he did pretty well. Uh, you, you know what's funny was like hardly anyone even knows this, but I actually went and talked to Bill Mott about a job opening that they had had, and he told me, he said, you know, I just hired somebody. He goes, you know, you'd have been good, but I, I just hired someone. And he had, he had just hired Simon <laughs> right before that. So who knows how, how life could have might have changed for, for all of us if, if, if yeah. I had gone over there a couple of days earlier, you know. And I, I wound up working for the chief, so you know it all. It all worked out, but uh, but it's funny how how uh, how one thing can the the dominoes can fall and 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 just do uh, do so many different things. But uh, you know, a firm success was kind he was kind of a horse, but before his his time with so many grass races and so many grass sprints nowadays, he he would have been unble- unbelievable. About yeah. Those seven furlong. Races at, at on the turf at Belmont. I mean, that'd have been right up his alley. <sighs> well, that's the that's 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 Chuck's reminisce for the day.
0: <laughs> that's a good one.
1: <laughs> no, it was it was it was a great it was a good race and it was it was uh there was there was a lot of good times back then, and you know it it, it seems it sounds like uh the ramblings of an of an old curmudgeon, but it it was a little bit more the backside was a little bit more of um a little more friendly i guess and that you didn't have these huge outfits that kind of they're like um you know they're like death stars they circle around and you know and you you're, all the, right they just killing everybody and you can't you can't beat them and they just have this air of invincibility and, and, you know, the, the, everybody was kind of, and listen, there was always good trainers and great trainers and the Woody Stevenses and the Charlie Whittingham's and the Scotty Schulhoffers and, and those guys, of course, there was always really good trainers, but it was but a those little guys t- were good too, though, it, you know what I mean? They it, had a good horses.
0: Like, I mean, just that story you just told, there, there was three guys. Um,
1: that that had really really good horses. Yeah, that's not um, even counting Stormy Atlantic.
0: Right, exactly, and and it, and it's just
1: you know, he was a beautiful like, horse. I remember looking him in the paddock, thinking, man, that is a good looking horse. Yeah, I remember him.
0: I remember him. Yeah, he he was a looker for real. But it's just like you know that kind of stuff. You know, you might get one trainer with a really really good horse that's not a big outfit, and then the rest of them are with a
1: with the uh with the death star. You know, there was a famous Thoroughbred record. The Thoroughbred record was a magazine that's that's gone oh, I remember and, that. it's gone extinct, but there uh, was I there was that. a famous cover that they had. At least it was famous in my mind. There was the top 15 trainers at Belmont Park. They took a picture of them in the the paddock at Belmont Park with the backdrop of the, the, the grandstand there like when you're going into the tunnel. And they kind of handicapped. It was a springtime. It was like, um, who was going to be leading trainer? And uh, and it's kind of like a quaint old notion that there was actually fifteen guys that had a legitimate chance of Shots being leading away. trainer uh, at Belmont right. Park. And when when now there's like two, or maybe three. Um, it's kind of interesting at the the Saratoga meet that Chris Clemont had. And you wonder, does he have enough ammunition to keep it up? Um, I mean, certainly everybody had pretty much conceded it to Chad Brown. but. Um, and that hasn't uh, turned out so well. No, it, it hasn't. Yeah. And, you know, Clement's Not horses so uh, have been running lights out. And obviously, he had that, that tragedy a couple weeks ago with those horses coming from Payson Park that got in yeah. the van wreck. And, That's awful. And then he, the other day, he had a. Guy turned his horse loose at Belmont. Some nutcase turned the horse some deranged, uh, you know, disgruntled yeah, ex-employee. Yeah, that. That,
0: that was nuts, man. That was, that was outrageous. So, so. What horrible look.
1: But, um, yeah, it's kind of a, a, a twist that we didn't see coming. But uh, but it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what the jocks start to to kind of figure out over the next you know, a couple of weeks what their plans are gonna be and figure uh with Uncle Chuck and uh, hey, coming east, my boy yeah. gotta get a squaring <laughs> off against Tis the Law. Um I I don't know that there's any other real viable contenders in there. So I'm not even you know, not exactly even sure of of who else that you know, coming out of that race is, is gonna be uh you know, go on to the Derby but but we're running out of triple crown preps. I mean, it's
0: well, maybe notice horse will run.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He'll run, but he better run better than the filly he ran in yesterday. Hey, listen, I'll give the guy credit. At least he runs,
0: right? You know that, that that's the the thing that kind of
1: sticks out to me. At least
0: he's, he's going for it. I mean, other people will sit on their hands and wait and wait and wait until you so can't wait anymore.
1: Well, you know what'll happen on social media. You'll get guys that'll say, ha, look at this jerk, he's running his race, he's stupid, he has no clue. And then the next breath they'll say, man, I'm sick of betting these four-horse fields. Well... You're right. So you can't have it both exactly. ways. Exactly. There's not that many uh, 98 Cl- Breeders' Cup Classic fields where, where there's, you know, 12 horses and 10 of them like, have a legit chance of winning. The, those things don't come along that often. If you want to have big fields, sometimes you're going to have to have horses that, that are, you know, a little bit longer in price, but 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 they do they do have a shot i mean they do they it it does happen and and that's the thing is like if this vexatious horse had hadn't and calumet is very game they're notorious for taking shots they they want to be in the big races they don't care about winning allowance races they want to take shots and with this horse it's taking shots this year has, has worked because she's well she's a grade one winner now and uh you know, six-year-old Marita had three wins coming into the year, and and now she's got that on her resume, and um, she seems like a, a viable contender in, in, in some of these races, and she must be a, a, a relatively sound mare as she runs a lot, and so uh, it was nice. Uh, it was nice to see uh, uh, Jack Sisterson did a good job with, with her, and hell, he almost won the race in California. Yeah. So, <laughs> he, ha- he had a very good week. <clears throat>
0: yeah, and, and then, you know like actually that day was kind of odd anyway you know with with tom's deta just blowing the break and you know, you know it, it was you know from a gambling perspective it's it's kind of it was one of those fun days you know um i'm sure the trainers don't appreciate stuff like that happening but no. you know from from my point of view where i was sitting you know, that that's you know I, I don't like to see horses break bad and lose but
1: If you bet against him, you do.
0: Right, exactly. I'm not going to cry when it it works in my favor, as long as the horse doesn't get hurt or anything.
1: Hey, when I worked for the Chief, we ran into Ballerina with Classy Mirage, and and we were up against it, because Insider Information was in there. And inside Information, I don't care what anybody says, she was as good as any Philly that's ever run. Ever. She is in the run. I've heard that a lot. And we we won that race because she went to her, I mean, she hit her head on the ground. I don't know how Mike Smith stayed on, let alone got her back in the race. And uh, that was the race where Julie Crone zigzagged in the stretch. And, yep, and then the I stewards put an inquiry up and, and she told Jerkins, yeah, I told him that you told me to zigzag in the stretch. And he was like, why would you <laughs> tell him that? <laughs> and they left her up. I mean, she it, it really wasn't a close, it wasn't a close call, but uh, you know, in the in the in the charts and in in the the record books, it it says we beat her that day. It didn't say we beat her because she the other horse stumbled. It just says we won. So,
0: well, speaking of jock's agents, uh, she, her her rider is is doing very well over at Monmouth.
1: I I you know honestly I haven't paid much attention to Mammoth, but uh, I guess she won four I, races. I think she won four four yeah, yeah yeah, which is great. I mean that's it's nice. It's nice to see people uh, you know the young riders and. And Julie's was, Julie was a pain in my ass, but she was nice. And And yeah. uh, I didn't know, you know, she knew what she was getting into being a jocks agent, but apparently she's doing pretty good at it.
0: Yeah. So. Can't fault that. She, she, she's successful, if anything.
1: Well, listen, man, I appreciate it as usual. And um, we got to wrap it up because we're running out of time. But uh, And I still haven't found a, a good closing line yet, so... <laughs>
0: Well, maybe with all these sports restarting, you can you can kind of borrow one from, from one of them. Because I know that's what I'm going to do when we get off of here. Let's watch uh, some Lakers basketball.
1: Yeah, basketball's back. We got Bubble. something. We finally have something to watch. Bubble games. Sounds good. <laughs> all right, Barry, thank you. All right, man. Thanks Let's for having me. Talk to you later. That was Barry Spears, the Sniper, our usual monday night co-host thank you for listening and we're still looking for that closing line uh papa Bees gave me some ideas we're, we're gonna get there soon we'll see you later